Amen. There is so much noise out there. I hope uh, this is the second time I try and record this. I hope it's okay. I'm so sorry if it's not. But here we go. Good morning, City Life. Good morning, City Lifers, friends, family, visitors. If you're here, if you're new, we're so grateful that you're here. I know this season of finding a new church has been extremely difficult, to say the least. And so we're so glad that you're here. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Pedro, and I'm the lead pastor here at City Life. And we're so grateful to be in our second week of our Advent series, The Advent According to Malachi where we're looking at Malachi, looking at the people, looking at the story, and we're trying to have it say something really real to us this year, Advent 2020, about who God is, about his course of judgment, his course of judgment and righteousness and justice, his promises that he made to, to us in Malachi, and what it means for, G, for us to know our Lord and Savior Jesus in this year, and to prepare in a new way like never before, for, the com for Christmas, for when we get to celebrate Jesus' birth. And so let's let this extremely unique year of 2020 be an extremely unique Advent series for us so that we prepare ourselves like never before and get to experience Christmas like, like never before as well. And so we're in Malachi, we're in the story of this people, and we've been devoting, last week we devoted some time, today we're going to devote some more time to understanding the people and where they were and why that is so meaningful for us in 2020. Gosh. Why is it so meaningful for us in 2020? It's so loud, man. It keeps going back and forth. Get me off my game. If you were here, I would have you looking at the soundbar to tell me when I could go. Uh, so frustrating. And so we're trying to understand Mal the people of Malachi, but really the story of Malachi is a continuation of what really happened in the books of Nehemiah and Ezra where they were in captivity in Babylon. They were yearning to come home. They had all of these desires and poetic verses about going back home and what it meant for them to be a people with the Lord again in their holy land and how they, how they missed Zion. And so it, Nehemiah and Ezra capture the story of them being able to return. <laughs> oh, gosh. It captures the story of them being able to return to the land, reinvest themselves, throw themselves into what it meant to be God's chosen, special, covenantal people. And, and they, this new generation is reading the Torah and they're, they're just reimagining what it means to be God's people, especially with their experiences here. And they're saying, Lord, Lord we're just so thrilled to be your people. You have been so faithful to us all along. And they get to this point where they're just, Lord, we need to say some vows to you. 
We need to tie ourselves to you because you have been so good. And this wasn't just like a youth retreat high where it lasts for a week if you're lucky and then goes away. But no, they they were taking this serious. This was a vow. They gathered everyone to say these vows to the Lord. And so let's read out of Nehemiah really quickly. Nehemiah chapter 10 verses 28 to 30. And I'm reading out of the message because I love the way they capture it here. God's word says this. The rest of the people, priests, Levites, security guards, singers, temple staff, and all who separated themselves from the foreign neighbors to keep the the revelation of God together with their wives, sons, daughters. And I love this. Everyone old enough to understand that this wasn't just going to be something that they forced people into or, or no, but that this is everyone who could understand, understand the words, the oath, the vows that you're taking now. And it continues saying, all joined their noble kinsmen in a binding oath to follow the revelation of God given through Moses, the servant of God, to keep and carry out all of the commandments of God, our master, all his decisions and standards. Saying, you know, we are the same people who you revealed yourself to Moses and gave him all of our laws, everything about what makes us us. This is, we are the same people. We're going to keep all of the commandments. We're going to keep and carry out all of what you say because you are our master, God. And all of your decisions and your standards, we're going to follow. And so out of this going on is this process of, t- of vowing to the Lord what they're going to do for him, how they're going to be his special set-aside people, how their hearts are going to be so driven and pointed toward the Lord in everything they do. And they start making promises. They say things like, start making promises to him. They're like, Lord, we won't marry with any foreigners because when we do, we always take on their gods and we don't want to do that. We won't marry any foreigners. We won't trade on the Sabbath when people want to trade with us. We'll keep the Sabbath year, even though in the history of Israel, they never actually fulfilled the Sabbath year. So with our offerings, we'll bring you the best offerings. We'll bring you the purest when it's time for a burnt offering, we'll bring it a grain offering, an offering of dedication, of absolution, a burnt offering, a t- the temple maintenance, even our tithe, Lord, we'll bring it, which was an annual price that they paid to keep the temple. Lord, we'll do all of this with our animals. We'll give you the purest animals, and all of this will be more than just an activity for you, but it'll all show our heart for you because we want to give you the best. And they also have this beautiful promise of a first fruits. They're saying, Lord, we'll give you the first of everything that we have. And what that meant is, Lord, before I put into my bank account, before I store away, before I know I have enough for the year, I'm going to give to you. I'm going to give it to you because everything I have comes from you. And everything that I'll get after this is coming from you anyway. So, I, Lord, I trust you to provide for me. I won't wait until I'm in my career for 10 years to start tithing. Or I won't wait to support missions when I, my 401k is at this point. Or I have a security blanket. But no, Lord, everything I have comes from you. And so I'm going to give you everything. Everything about who we are as a people is devoted to you. There's our priests, our Levites. We're going to make sure that they are always able to hear you and do what you say. 
So God, God, you are the God that we love. Our hearts point to you. So we vow ourselves, we bind ourselves to you. And the last thing that I love that this chapter says, they say this, we will not neglect the temple of our God. They're saying, God, this is the home. You told us to build you this home. Your presence actually lives in these walls. And so we will not neglect it because you are here with us. This is the one place in the world that you say your presence will dwell in all the time. And so we will keep this building, not just because it's a building, but because it's your home with us and we care about you having a good home with us. And so we won't do that. But then Malachi, a hundred years later, and almost none of these vows are on their hearts, have been kept by them. See, the people of Malachi, which I've just been calling it, they are a tired people. They are a sad people. They are, a be- the best way I have to describe them is that they are a bent back people. That they can't, that they're just like this. They can't stand up. They're just so tired of fighting, so tired of going after, so tired of the sin that oppresses them, so tired of their sin, so tired of the life, and they're just beaten down people. They're emotionally and spiritually still wanderlusting, still not home, even though they were home. See, they were, they were back in their land. They had everything that made them a people again but they still never fully came back. They were still lost. See, they didn't let the the job of the exile penetrate them generation after generation after generation. A hundred years later, and they had lost all of their love and dedication to the same Lord that them as a nation professed. And so they were in their system of worship, but the intention of worship was nowhere near Israel. There's nowhere to be found. And so this is the backdrop of our Advent series. And we spend so much time in this because how well does that speak to where we might be today? As a world, as a nation, as a church. You see, we're not together. And many of us feel alone. We're all tired of digital living. (laughs) We're worried about getting sick. We don't know when we're going to be able to gather freely is freely again, and we're all wondering, what does this mean about us? What does this mean about us as God's people? You know, even in our church, our our Sunday, the amount of people coming here on Sunday mornings is different every week because we're tired. None of this, what I'm about to say, is, is to blame or to point fingers, but we're tired. Our, sometimes we're not joining MCs because we're just tired of Zoom, and rightfully so, we're tired, I'm tired of Zoom. The prayer calls that we have three times a week are dwindling, and we're tired. We're just tired of doing all of this, of of going after 2020 and saying, Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing here? We're tired of seeing injustice in the news. We're tired that we went to protests, that we've been reading books, that we've been retweeting and reposting things, and we're still seeing the same things happening. We're tired of the political system that's broken and is never perfect, never perfect, but it's always going to be broken if there are people in it. And so we're just tired and we're looking at 2020 and saying, Lord, how is all of this pointing us towards you? 
What are you doing? Where is your course of justice in all of this? And Malachi and Advent both have powerful things to say. Powerful things to tell us, to remind ourselves, to keep on fighting, to keep on pushing, to allow God's word to change us, to allow Malachi in their context to say, Lord, we need to be a people who are vibrant and still love the Lord with all that we have, no matter our circumstances. Are we going to be the people who remind ourselves of what God has done in history, in scripture, but also in our own lives? Are we going to be those people? Are we going to prepare for the coming of our King? And so let's just jump in there. Let's stop talking about it and actually read scripture to allow God to change our perspective, to stop, to bring us out of ourselves and say, Lord, what are you doing this this Advent season? Because I want to partner and I want to be there. I want to be ready for Christmas like never before. And so let me pray, and then we're going to read Malachi and jump right on in. And so, Lord, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for our church. I thank you for my loved ones. I thank you that we are still your people no matter what. I thank you that we are in this Advent season, Lord, and that we are the highlight of our days, not just to cross the day off the calendar, to get through this year, to survive, to make it, to not get sick, Lord but that we get to live this life with you. Help us to know how to do that, how to do that powerfully, and let this Advent season be one that changes our understanding and our experience of Christmas, of your coming down here to this earth, Lord. Let that be shocking to us today, as as shocking to us today as it was when we first believed in you. And so, Lord, we give you all of these things. Be with us in the sermon today. Speak to our hearts. We love you. We dedicate ourselves to you. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And so today we're going to be reading out of Malachi chapter 3 and also part of verse uh, chapter 4. And so chapter 3 verses 4 and 5 and then chapter 4 verses 1 to 3. And God's word says this. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker and his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. And then chapter 4, verse 1. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the, under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. I know that this does not sound like a typical normal Advent series. But I, I want to tell us today that if we don't understand this, then we miss a part of what Christmas is. And so let's just jump right on in and talk about our first point of the day, which is personal arrival. Personal arrival. This morning, I'm going to have a series of declarative statements that we're going to hold on to and and allow that to speak into our hearts and our understanding of, of this, of how we're preparing 
for Christmas this year. And the first one is this. Advent is important and useful because in it we prepare, we prepare for God's personal arrival and witness. See, we're, we're kind of going to skip through for chapter 4, um, verse 4 today, because it was really a launching point from last week, where we said that part of what the messenger is going to come is that he, this messenger, the Malachi, is getting this glimpse of he's going to come and restore our offering because we'll, he'll restore the way we live our lives in community and in pursuit of God's justice. And so we won't be like the people of Malachi where people who point their fingers at God, but we will say, Lord, what are you doing in our time? How can we be a part of what you're doing? And our offering will be the whole, the way we live our whole lives. And so using that to continue, and then God continues what he's saying, then I will draw near to you. And right away, we have to start with that. You see, then I will draw near is one word, karav that I love, and in the form that it's in only has one meaning, and it means this, and I will draw near. Remember how we started chapter 3, verse 1 last time, when it said, we just looked at the first couple words, behold, I send my messenger. And how a better translation for 2020 is that God's saying, watch this, watch what I'm about to do, look at who I'm about, look at who I'm about to send. And then here we, we get a glimpse, a glimpse of who this is that's coming. And God is telling us, then I will draw near to you, which is a promise to you and to me in this Advent season that God, this messenger that, that Malachi was envisioning, getting a glimpse of was God himself. It's God's personal arrival onto this earth, onto, into our lives, into creation that we have the Savior who wasn't okay, content with just creating and leaving it and watching at it every once in a while, okay, it's okay. We don't have a God who even just came here just to see, look around, and then leave. He's not a dine and dash kind of God. He's also not a God who comes here and just looks around and says, okay, I mean, sure, let me teach you a couple of things. Let me enlighten you a little bit here and there. But really, most of the work will be done when you die and, and we'll go and live in my house. No, but we have this God who's saying, you know what, I care about this so much. I'm coming myself. That in the plan of Israel, and the plan of humanity and creation after the fall, God's saying, you know what, I'm going to come first. And so that brings us to another declarative statement in that Advent is important and useful because it prepares us to, for a God who always takes the first step towards us. That we belong to this God, to this Savior who's saying, you know what, you don't have to be perfect before I come to you. You don't have to be good. You don't have to be righteous. I always take the first step. I always care for you first. You love me because I love you first, God's saying to you and to me. God is the good shepherd who, is always, who always leaves the 99 to go after the one because he cares for all of us. He is the father of the prodigal son who runs after his son to protect him when he comes into the gate. That our, that our savior is always the one who comes to us first. That God said, you know, I'm going to leave my kingdom and take a form of a servant, a regular person, a stonemason. I'm going to come even though I am the creator of everything. I'll let creation touch me. I'll let them see me. I'll have fun with them. I'll share with them. I'll teach them. I'll take them under my wings. I'll heal them. I'll also let them mock me. I'll also let them beat me. I'll also let death touch me even though I'm the creator of everything and never had to do this. But we have a God who always takes the first step to chase you and I. 
But I love where Malachi takes it from there. It's not just that God came here. Remember, he's not some hippy-dippy God just coming here and then peacing out. But he came here for a reason. And that's the, our next statement, which is Advent is important and useful because in it we prepare for our witness against evildoers. So this section is a witness against evildoers. I'll say that statement one more time. That Advent is important and useful because in it we prepare for our witness against evildoers. See, I, I love the glimpse of the, of the Messiah, the messenger that, that Malachi gets. It could have very well just been a God who came just to come because that would have been enough. That would have been great. But no, there's an explicit reason why this guy is coming, why this messenger is coming. And it's to be, it's to, for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers. And he starts listing these people who do evil, who break up community, who tear down the, the relationship that we're supposed to have with the Lord and with one another. You know, sorcerers, I think as modern people, that's funny for us because we're like, okay, that's, so, that's archaic, that's old. But how so even sorcerers are still around today. Google the Wiccan movement in this country. Google how alive and well witchcraft is in this country. Now, I, let me stand on my soapbox for a second. I'm, if you know me, you know I don't do this very often. But I used to live in Nyack. And in Nyack, during Halloween, the city would always expect to at least triple in the amount of people in it. Because Nyack was this place, this community that... It, that um, experienced a lot of occult activity. There's a reason why Nyack College went there, it started there, formed there, and why evil rose up there too to meet it. But there, it's a city that just loves that kind of occult activity. And so during Halloween, when we just think it's okay, or, or when we think it's just cute costumes, but the spirit, the kingdom of evil is, loves that day and celebrates that day, that's their Christmas. And so the city triples in size and they, and sorcerers love, feeding off of the power of the kingdom of darkness. And so, Jesus, I thank, I thank the Lord that our messenger here opposes sorcery. Any, and sorcery defined really is just anyone who draws power that doesn't come out of the Holy Spirit, that doesn't come out of God's kingdom, that comes out of the, Satan's kingdom, Satan's influence, his authority. And so thank, I thank the Lord that he opposes sorcerers, even to this day when we might think it's silly. I'll get off my soapbox. I'm sorry about that. But he also opposes the uh, adulterer. One of the main problems God had with Israel at this time, back in chapter 2, was that the men were divorcing their wives for no reason, and often just because they wanted to go marry foreign wives, and it came idol worshiping, and the breaking of community, the breaking of bonds, and leaving some people, who are women who are vulnerable socially, to have no protection and to, have, and to be unprovided for. And God's saying here, these are, in the same way you vowed yourself to me as a nation, you vowed yourself to this person. The bond in a marriage is the biggest human bond there is besides us knowing our Savior. And he's saying, you're, you're just breaking these willy-nilly just because you want to go pursue this. This is evil in the sight of the Lord because we're breaking the community that he built. And the next one, those who swear falsely, anyone who lies or breaks covenant with their neighbor or with the Lord uh, because they want some personal gain. Uh, there's a big one here that's repeated so many times in Scripture. Those who oppress the workers, the widows, 
the fire the fatherless and those who turn who just throw aside the sojourners the immigrants that the most unprotected people in culture and society that God heavily opposes anyone who sells themselves out to evil, who sells them out to unjust gains, who sells them on purpose intentionally because they want to gain. And so they don't care if it's on the backs of other people. They don't care if it's tearing down other lives or breaking down families. They don't care. But you know what God does? And he comes here and one of his explicit mission statements is to oppose all of this and to oppose those who do not fear him. And I love... I love and need a God who opposes evil. I need and love a God who opposes the things that he knows shouldn't be happening here. I love that we belong to a God who promises to come down here first and to wipe away every tear, to somehow make everything right again. Even though I cannot even imagine how that is gonna happen, I hold on to this promise this Advent season that this coming messenger is going to do this. And that really brings us to our last point for the day. Why we can trust this Messiah, this messenger to do this. And to Malachi, it's directly tied to this messenger being the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts. So here's our last declarative statement for the day. That Advent is important and useful because in it we prepare for our Lord of hosts. Let's read uh, two verses here. The chapter three, verse five, and then chapter four, verse three. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against adulterers, those who swear falsely, those who oppress, the hired workers of his wages, the widow, the fatherless, and those who thrust aside the sojourner. And do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. And then chapter four, verse three. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on that day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. And you see, the, the Lord of hosts is, is, is an aspect of Christmas that I don't think we talk about enough, that I don't even think we understand. If I say the Lord of hosts, do we even know what that means? And this is a portion, this is the part of scripture where a lot of, honestly, a lot of unbelievers point to and say, how can your God be good if he's the Lord of hosts, if he promises to do all of these things? And I think equally so, this is where a lot of Christians read the Bible and like, Lord, I don't, I don't like this. I'm just gonna pretend like it's not here. I'm never going to research this. I'm never going to look into it. I'm never going to try and figure out how you being the Lord of hosts is a good, just, moral thing. I'm, I can't do that. And I'm just going to pray that no one ever asks me about what that means. And when they do, I'm just going to freak out because I have no answer for them. And so why in this Advent series are we looking at Jesus, the coming Messiah, the messenger that Malachi is looking towards, as the Lord of hosts? And quite simply, it's because Malachi tells us that this messenger is going to be tied to this Lord of hosts. And the Lord of hosts has two meanings. In the Old Testament, it really breaks down into two things, both equally important, but not always used in the same way. The first one is that this Lord of hosts is the Lord of heavens. 
is the Lord of every created thing and every created being. The heavens, the earth, every, every spiritual realm, every physical realm, everything that goes, all the planets, everything. If, if it was made, the Lord of hosts is sovereign over it all. Over all the realms, over my heart, my body, my spirit, my mind, all of those things. And that's great and that's good, but that is not the, the proper translation for us here. That's not the proper avenue for us to go here. The, the more literal meaning of the Lord of hosts, the thing that is translated the most is that he is the Lord of armies. And so we might say, why, why Lord of armies for Advents? This is crazy. This passage here, look at chapter 4. It's talking about how this day is going to come and it's like going to be an oven where the arrogant and the evildoers will be made to be stubble. And then it talks about how there won't, they're going to be consumed with a blaze and how there won't even be a root or a branch left. And then one day the, the, the just will tread on the wicked because they're going to be like ashes on the funeral. Like, Lord, okay, this is a bit much. But what does this have to say about our Advent? And I'm here to say that we need Jesus. We have an incomplete picture of Jesus if we do not also see the coming messenger as the one who brings God's justice. The narrative of God's justice that is in the entire Bible, that this messenger is going to be explicitly about that. Yes, he, he is the, the loving Savior. He is the good shepherd. He's the one who gives his entire life for you and for me. He came here in the first place. We've even in today seen his heart for us, his heart for all of creation. He doesn't want to see anyone perish. Really, All of scripture speaks to the love that God has for us, but how Jesus, how God is also radically committed to bringing justice into this world, into everything that has been made. And so we have an incomplete Jesus if we don't acknowledge that, G that Christmas, we have an incomplete Christmas, not Jesus, Christmas if we don't acknowledge that Christmas is a celebration of God's justice being embodied in a person. That God's justice, his movement in all of human history and all of creation since we left him was to step out first and to bring us to him. And so here in Malachi, that we see that this promise is that God comes first. He always comes first that God is passionate, that this messenger is going to be passionate and going to be about opposing evildoers. And then at the end, that he is the Lord of hosts. He is the one who is just and righteous to be able to bring the armies, to be able to bring justice here. And so let this Christmas, this Advent, the preparation that we have say, Lord, eradicate everything evil in my life because I need you. Lord, help me to bring as many people into knowing faith of you because, Lord, this is a day that is not going to be great for everyone. Next week, we're going to speak about verse 2 here and about the promises about the rising sun, which is a messianic title. We're going to talk about the healing in his wings, which the woman with the issue of the bleeding experience. And we're going to talk about leaping like calves from the stall. And that's, that's all a part of it. But if we don't also understand that Jesus is the Lord of hosts, and we don't know what Christmas is fully about. That, Lord, I need you to root out this evil. I need you in 2020 to be about changing systemic evil. And I love the imagery here that not even a, a root or a branch will remain. Is that it's going to be completely gone. 
Uh, if you're like me and you watch Dragon Ball Z growing up, you know about one character called Cell. And if there's even one Cell properly named, if there's one Cell remaining from Cell, he could grow himself back. And God's saying, here, you know what? There won't be even a, uh, an iota of injustice, of evil left on the day when he comes, on the day when God's plan becomes accomplished. And so, Lord, I need to be about you allowing you to bring justice in me, in my heart, in my stereotypes, in the way I treat others, in the things that I allow to, to exist around me, or the things that I hear people saying and don't stand up for. I also need you to be about helping me, the totality of my life, to be going towards your mission of upholding people, of helping the oppressed. I, one of the things that I fear the most about this coming year is not that... No, I won't even go there. One of the things that I fear the most about this coming year is that we will receive vaccines at some point. Get back to PS16. Start being so happy, having this high oh, we're so happy to be back again and back to a normal life. And then at towards the end of the year, realize that we're still sad, that we're still not free, that we didn't let this Advent season really meet our maker, really receive Jesus in a new way. And for us to, realize, for us to be like, Lord, I expected everything to be better, but in this season, we didn't let you do the rooting, the purification the fuller soap that you prompt, that you said you could do, Lord. Please do that work in me now so that on Christmas, not because that day is the special day, but because we celebrate Jesus' birth on that day. We celebrate that the Messiah came, that the promises in Malachi were fulfilled in all of Scripture. And so let's let this Advent series continue to do the work, give God space in our lives this week to be like, Lord, what do you want to take out of me? What portion of scripture do I read? Who do I have to be kind and, and act of services to and do acts of service towards? And Lord, next week we'll talk about your promises, but this week let's sit in the difficult part of Christmas and that is going to be rough. It's going to be bad. That is not hopeful for everyone. And so, church, we love you. Let's conclude with a couple of things. Oh. And so, church, let's conclude. Take this and not the, and church, we love you. No. And church, uh, let's conclude this a little bit more neatly so that we know what to do when we go to our big church call at the end of this. I, church, I want to remind us of where we are at in 2020, that this year has been uniquely difficult for everyone, that it's been a year of great loss, that it's been confusing, frustrating. I remember when this first began, I was saying, I read this report saying that we might have to stay home until November, and I was like, Lord, I, I can't, I can't, how are we going to stay at home until November? How is this possible? How are we going to make it? But then we get into now, into our Advent series. And we're like, Lord, what do you need to do in me to prepare me for Christmas? To prepare me to receive my Savior. 
And so we still have some questions that we're going to answer next week. We're going to look at the hope and the promise. But first, let us acknowledge and praise our Lord for being the Lord of hosts, for being the one who is sovereign and able and just to bring about his justice, to treat everyone the way we should be, Lord, to bring us a Savior in the first place, Lord. We love we love that you promised us this son and everything that this messenger entailed. We, we love that he was about justice. Help us to be about bringing justice and bring people to your kingdom every day. And so now we're going to join our prompt, our, our big city and city lines. And so we're now, and so, and so now we're going to join our big call together as one church to take communion and to also answer, catch up and answer two questions that we have for our prompt questions this week. If you're new and you want to come, please, we encourage you. We know it, it can be intimidating and awkward, but if you're here, there's going to be a, a link on, in the comment section. Please click there. Please join us. Please, we want to get to know you. We want to be in community with you. And so hit that and, and get to know all of us. We'll, we'll do some speed dating so you won't have to talk to everyone. But you will do little groups. And so please join us. And church, let's let this Advent season speak to our hearts exactly where we are. God knows where we are. Let's be honest with him and prepare for Christmas for it to be meaningful this year like never before. I'll see you on these calls. I'll see you at MCs. I'll see you at the prayer calls. We love you so much and praying for you every day. We'll see you on the call. Love you.